All right, guys. Hey, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and um, we know that we picked the story up uh, kind of in mid-sentence, um, but I'm going to start it in mid-sentence. We started in, chapter, we started in chapter 6, verse 10. We're stepping on the gas going all the way to the end. We talked about the uh, armor um, that uh, we put on to be strong in the Lord, and we're going to pick it up in verse 18. It's kind of weird in the middle of the sentence, but here we go. God's word, uh, verse 18 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. Praying at all times in the Spirit, a continued thought, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've, uh, I may have told you this once before. I don't think I have, but um, I kind of have this little throwaway uh, thing at the end of a conversation. So if, I, if I'm telling a story and I don't really have a good ending and it's awkward and I need to get out of it, uh, and so it's kind of hanging there, I'll say, anyway, I closed in prayer and stormed out. Have I ever told you that before? Okay. But that's a funny line, isn't it? Only a Christian would laugh on that, at that. Anyway, I closed in prayer and stormed out. You know, the non-Christian world would go, yeah, what's wrong with that? The Christian world would be going, ah, because that's impossible. To bring yourself to a place of communion with God, yielding your heart to him, surrendering all things in prayer, and then storming out and harboring this thing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our main uh, idea last week, which I failed to put up on the screens, um, was this, that the whole of the gospel is the whole armor of God, W-H-O-L-E. The whole of the gospel is the whole armor of God. Uh, yes, there are distinctions made, as we pointed out last week. Uh, you've got, in verse 14, the belt of truth. You've got, also in verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. You've got, in verse 15, shoes making ready, the transmission of the gospel of peace. Um, you've got a shield of faith protecting us in an attack. Uh, and I also mentioned the collective uh, uh, aspect of that shield. It's not just, I got a shield. Ooh, ooh, swish, swish. I want to fight. I want to fight. It's, the, it's to, to fend off flaming darts. So think of movies you've seen where the whole army clusters together, takes their big door-sized shield, leans back, and uh, Russell Crowe says, let hell fire rain down, and they shoot the flaming darts, and they're protected because there's this wall. Guess what? That's an illustration of the church, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's a collective um, um, plural view here concerning the, the, the armor of God. And, of course, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I also told you last week that it's perfectly fine to preach on truth, to preach on righteousness, to preach on evangelism and faith 
and uh, salvation and the Bible. That's, what, that's all those elements right there. It's perfectly fine to do a sermon series on all those things. But what is being said about the armor of God? How are those things depicted? They are depicted in a group. They are depicted as a thing. And I think that thing is uh, the full expression of the benefits of the gospel. So the whole of the gospel is the whole armor of God. We come together like this, and what are we doing right now? When you hear this teaching and when you go in there, you hear the gospel uh, proclaimed, rehearsed before you. You'll go in there and sing songs, and you know that those songs are taken from God's word, adapted from, uh, looked to. That's why those things matter to your heart. They're rehearsals of the gospel. When we pray, we rehearse the gospel. When we come into fellowship with each other, we rehearse the gospel. You're about to take communion. What do you think that is? But a depiction of the gospel, an illustration, a vivid illustration of the gospel. It's a sensory illustration, but it, it, it proclaims the gospel uh, in, in, in deed and in our, in our silence. So that's the armor for the Christian life. The whole of the gospel is the armor. Now, today we come to the application of those things, the application of the armor of God, and what does that look like? Well, the uh, big point today is this. Prayer is the atmosphere of the gospel. Now, you think about it for a second. Um, God redeems and repairs trapped people. I mean, people trapped in not just behaviors, but trapped in a dominion of sin. You know, anybody seen the show Under the Dome? Who's seen that? Okay, I've seen a few episodes. I don't quite understand it. For some, if you don't know, for some reason, an invisible dome. We don't know why, but a dome has come to earth, and apparently there are people under the dome. And they're like, hey, we're in a dome. Why are we in a dome? I don't know, but planes are flying into the dome. They're in this dome. It's kind of stupid. But anyway, that's a lot like the dominion of sin. It's kind of like these, the, the, this, this, this lost humanity is trapped in this dominion, and it's going, duk, 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 duk. Uh, it's not, we don't have the freedom to get out of that dominion. Yeah, we're born into that dominion. It's a dominion of sin. It's a dominion of darkness. It's a dominion of death. And what God has done in the gospel is he's broken through. Christ has come into that place, lived the righteous life we couldn't live so that we could have his righteousness and that God's justice would be served and sinners would be rescued from that dominion and brought into a dominion of light. So all that to say, God fixes the sinner's problem. He, he, he supplies a fall guy and not just any fall guy, but the very righteousness of God. Now, if that's happened, if God so wants a personal relationship with us that he breaks in and interferes so that he must have us, doesn't it make sense that prayer is the atmosphere of the gospel? If this personal God wants to restore fellowship with himself, then prayer is the atmosphere of the gospel. It's the natural outpouring of that relationship. All right, let's look at our first point, which is, we only have two of them, life in the spirit. And as I told you, uh, my plan really was to read verse 10 all the way through, but we, uh, for the sake of time, we started in verse 18. But uh, so here we are. You see that it picks up in mid-thought, all right? He's talked about the armor of God, and he continues on his thought here in verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
Now, prayer, obviously, is important because it's mentioned here. It's obviously important to us because it's our topic. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's important because it's mentioned by Paul more than once. He even includes himself in there. He wants us to pray for him, them to pray for him. But notice, ladies and gentlemen, that prayer is not listed as a piece of armor. The pieces of armor are assigned something that's illustrative, but prayer is not. It's not saying, oh, and prayer is the propeller on top of the helmet. You have the armor of God, and then prayer is this application of the armor of God. So, you know, we see in verse 18 and, and prior to it this, this, this beautiful, uh, illustrative prose about uh, God's protections for us in this life. Shows, it shows us how the gospel protects us and protects us not only in, a, in the future life. Yay, we have eternal life and we're eternally saved, but protects us in this earthly life. And uh, a quick application would be this, that um, the, the gospel you need for salvation, the gospel you needed, Christian, for salvation is the gospel you need for sanctification. Same gospel. You needed it for salvation. You need it for sanctification. So God has given us these helps to protect us in this life, but the outpouring of that is prayer. Prayer is the atmosphere of the gospel. So if you want uh, some practical applications, hold on, because we get really the most comprehensive statement on prayer that I can think of in the Scriptures. So let's look at it together. He says, praying at all times, here's the first one, in the Spirit. Now, let's look, at, let's look at the at all times part first. Praying at all times. Now, what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, what, what could it mean? I mean, does it mean that you're supposed to be praying when you're flying a, a military aircraft and shooting bullets? Okay. All right. Okay, let me change the illustration. I was, try, I was trying to spin it the other way. Does it mean that you're supposed to pray when you're scuba diving? Oh, dear Lord, these fish, oh, these fish, don't let me get bit by a barracuda. Does it mean you're supposed to be praying, I mean, at every single minute of the day? Is that even possible? It's not possible. It's not possible. That's the, that's the point. Now, of course, it's probably a good idea in that plane, actually. But my point is, the, I've tweeted this before, that the Bible means to be taken literally when it means to be taken literally. It's not saying that uh, you go like this, mm, and everywhere you go, everywhere you drive, you close your eyes because you're praying. It's not saying that. Well, so what does it mean? Um, it doesn't mean that we're formally, formally praying, but it does mean, it does speak to prayer as being the core of life. And I think that's why, were you nodding your head? So I, I, think, I think that resonates with you because prayer is, we know as believers, it's supposed to be the core of our lives. We live, we, we just don't have these little sacred moments where we gather and we, okay, now we're going to have a time of prayer. Everybody have a time of prayer. Everybody ready? Put your donut down. Here we go. That's fine. But it's not just limited to that. It's, it's a life lived out before the very eyes of God. Um, it, it's um, not an exterior facet of life, and it's, it's an interior reality. It's communion. It's fellowship with the living God who's present with you all the time. Um, here's a one commentator I was reading uh, called it the sanctuary principle. And I thought that was kind of cool, the sanctuary principle. I mean, you go into the sanctuary to meet with the Lord, and he's saying that um, there's, it's, it's a matter of keeping within the heart a place of devotion to the Lord from which all else is excluded. And I rather like that, that there's this place in the heart that is only the Lord's, but 
even that, that's a good illustration, but it's got limitations because it almost sounds like, well, there's this little part and it's, it's you know, compartmentalized. No. Uh, maybe it's better to say our lives are lived out in the presence of God. Now, you know what it means to be in the presence of somebody. I mean, Jeff and Cindy Ross are in the presence of each other right now. I mean, they both know it. I mean, you know that the love of your life is sitting right next to you, and uh, there she is. You, you're touching her. You have a sense of her. I mean, you got a rhythm. You're both going, <laughs> at the same time. You're going, eh, you know. Uh, you, know what, you know what it is to be in the presence of somebody. I'm saying that we are in the presence of God all the time, and what our hearts need to do is say, that's right. I am. That's the atmosphere of the gospel. Prayer is the atmosphere of the Christian life. God is present with you always. All right, let's look at the next thing. Praying at all times in the Spirit. What does in the Spirit mean? That's not a reference to speaking in tongues. It means that we're reliant upon the Holy Spirit's help for all things in this life, all spiritual good. And so to pray in the Spirit then is to yield to everything, every, to yield everything to God and to the ministry of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. So we, when we, if we're to pray, with prayer as this atmosphere of life, in all that happens to us, um, we're supposed to yield our hearts to this God and say, all right, Lord, minister your Word to my heart. That's what praying in the Spirit means. It's an administration, an administering of God's Word to our experience uh, in our lives. So we pray at all times in the presence of the Lord. We pray in the Spirit, yielding to God. And the next thing we see in verse 18 is that we're supposed to pray with all prayer and supplication. Now, what does that mean, all prayer and supplication? Some of your Bible translations say something different. Uh, but what does that mean? I, I think it's as simple as this. I think it's as simple as saying, hey, if you're present with God at all times, and your life matters to God, every aspect of it. He never cuts his eye away from you or the complexities or the internal workings. He never turns his eye away from you. Then doesn't it make sense that you can pray to God about anything? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, from a difficult meeting to a kid who's a little scared to your sick cat, there's nothing wrong with praying for a sick cat. There's nothing wrong with praying. And if, if, you, if I prayed with any of you before a surgery, I'll, I'll say, I'll, you know, the night before or something, I'll, I'll, I'll pray. I pray the doctor has a good night's sleep. Is that a bad prayer? It's a great prayer. Please, please don't let him fight with his wife tonight. And please don't let him go eat at Elma's cow. You know, good night's sleep, good meal, waking up feeling good. You know, you want that. It, there's nothing wrong with praying that. Um, so, I mean, if your life is a fellowship with God, I, I, the spigot is open and, and there's, it's free-flowing. I'm saying to you that a discussion of everything is only logical and communion is normal. All right, the next thing on here is in verse 18, keep alert with all perseverance. And I got a very easy illustration for you, which is driving to Destin. Man, on a long trip... You know, that feeling where you just, uh, I don't know about you, but my, my wife can tell when I'm about to kill her uh, with the vehicle that I'm not doing well with. Um, I'll kind of start to yawn, and then I'll, I'll, I'll not yawn, but my eyes will tear up like I've yawned. Like it, I mean, my eyes tear up when I yawn. I don't know about you, but, uh, I, but my eyes will just start, I, I kind of do that. And then when I go 10 and 2 on the wheel, uh, things are looking bad. And then when I'm, 
you know, doing this or my head out the window or something, it's time to pull over to McDonald's and take a nap. And uh, you know that sleepy feeling. I mean, you, all of a sudden you're like, whew. I mean, if I let my guard down, I mean, even for a second, we're dead. Because I know I'm going to sleep. You know, you just, that, that diligence, uh, that, that, that fierce diligence to, to preserve life, that's the way we're supposed to <laughs> approach prayer. We're supposed to persevere in our prayer. That doesn't mean to pray the same thing 25 times in a row. That means diligence. That means, hey, stay awake. And then the last thing here, verse 18, making supplication for all the saints. Guess what? If you're to make supplication for all the saints, in other words, pray for them, make requests for them. If you're supposed to do that, then doesn't that imply that you're responsible for all the saints? Am I my brother's keeper, said Cain? The answer, yeah, you are your brother's keeper. And as you look around the round world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the people you see are the people you're responsible for. Everybody you run into, there's some kind of responsibility either to, to be ready to share the gospel or ready to have an invitation or ready to minister, ready to help. Uh, th- there's a responsibility squarely put on our shoulders. And Sinclair Ferguson said this. Uh, I love it. He said, we pray with the whole church whenever we say, our Father. So whenever you pray the Lord's Prayer, whenever you're led in that, whenever you say, Heavenly Father, whenever you say that, you pray with the whole church. You remember that. The next time you bow your head and you say grace over your food and you say, Heavenly Father, what you've just said is, I'm responsible for all that you love and care about, (laughs) Heavenly Father. You pray with the whole church, ladies and gentlemen. You're responsible for the whole church. All right, to apply all that. No Christian would disagree with the importance of prayer, right? I mean, we all know it's important, and it's even logical, as I've said. But, man, it's hard, isn't it? Um, You know, one of the reasons uh, I'm told we hired John Otley is on the interview process. uh, Number one, he's he's hard. I mean, he's impossible not to like and love. I mean, he's just the sweetest guy ever and a, a good pastor and wise, but... Um, apparently on the interview process, they were like, well, uh, the elders are going, uh, maybe some of you were there. Uh, well, uh, tell us, uh, you know, what, 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 uh, what do we need to know about you? You know, uh, anything that we should know about you that would be like kind of a red flag? And uh, I think something, he said something like, man, I sure don't pray enough. And it was like, you're hired because <laughs> you're real. My point is, it's hard for all of us. It's hard for ministers, ladies and gentlemen, to pray. I mean, how many times have you had somebody go, would you pray for me? And you go, yes, I will. And then, you know, you finish the sentence in your mind. But I know I won't, and I'll feel terrible. And I'll run into you, and I'll go, ah, how did it go? Aren't you tired of that? <laughs> all right, I got a suggestion for you. And in fact, it's kind of cool. I, I, I was reading it this midweek, and I, 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 I've done this with people. In fact, I did it with, with somebody this morning. Uh, somebody says, hey, man, I'm really having a blah, 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 blah uh, problem with such and such. You know what you do? You say, let's pray right now. That's my advice to you. Oh, really? Let's pray right now. Would you pray for me? Sure, let's pray right now. You're on the phone with somebody. 
man, I really got a problem. You want to, I'd really appreciate some prayer. Sure, let's pray right now. And by the way, if you pray with them right then, guess what? It's easier to pray with them. It's easier to pray about it later. I mean, you're already invested in the situation. You've already taken the th- situation before the throne of God. And uh, it, it's, it's more heavily on your heart, and you're more invested, and, and you're more concerned. And I, I'm just saying to you that in real time, that's a great, uh, great piece of advice. You know, folks, I, um, I love to be with my wife. I long to be with my wife. And we're about to go teach your gorgeous above-average children. And before we go do that, we're going to take uh, some vacation time for ourselves. We're going to be in Colorado anyway, so we're going to Denver and Boulder. And then we're going to go to the Shining Motel and stay a night there, um, which is pretty wild. Hopefully I don't kill anybody. And uh, so I, I so look forward to that. You know why? Because it's the, you know, when I go on vacation with Tammy, it's this rare time where I'm with her every single minute. Every minute. We go here, we go here, we go here, we go here, we eat, blah, blah, And I'm not one of these guys where it's like, oh, baby, you go shopping and enjoy yourself, and I'll go, you know, and do some other things, and I'll sit on the beach and, you know. Uh, you have a good time, honey. I love you. And when she's gone, yes, I got rid of her. That's not me. I like spending every minute with her. And I like those times when we come home. It almost feels weird when, we, when our lives do this again and we go back to our occupation. I like being with her every minute. I long for it. And what I'm saying to you is that's part of prayer. Being with the Father who our hearts long for, even though we resist, we're prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. We want to be with the Father, but we want to, we want to minister to the saints. I mean, we want, to, we want to be in fellowship with the Father, with the church, it's a profound and beautiful thing, and my dream is that um, in the halls of this church, we'll see pockets of people stopping and praying. And I'll tell you this, you want to influence a culture, a church culture, you guys can do it. Just tiny thing. I'm not talking about a cheap acting jo- a job. Let us pray, everyone watch. But I'm saying, if there's something in real time that you can pray for, stop and pray. Here, Starbucks, in the street. There are many a times I've pr- prayed in some weird public place, and n- not, not so that people will say, look at me, but that can be responded to in real time, the real Christian life, under God's gaze, present all the time. All right, our last point, love incorruptible. Uh, verses 19 through 20, uh, Paul, he says, um, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth. Man, this this prophetic, rabbinical kind of uh, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, of which he is, of course, formerly spoken of. And he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, this ambassador in chains business is another way of Paul saying, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm an ambassador a messenger, someone carrying the content of the sender in chains. And, of course, he's in chains, really. He's under house arrest in Rome, but he's also uh, a, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, joyfully. Now, what's so interesting about that is, you know, he states his apostolic authority in a different term here at the end of the letter. And so, basically, he's saying, look, I've been sent, sent by Jesus Christ, personally appointed. That's why he's an apostle. I'm not an apostle. He is. And what's so interesting about that is, you know, he's got the full faith and credit of the Savior. 
And yet he says, please pray for me. I mean, the saints are involved in the work. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's been sent. It's, you know, you'd think he'd, be go, he'd go, listen, pray for other people. I'm okay. Because I'm an apostle. I've been sent. It's not like Jesus isn't going to further his kingdom through me. I know that he will. He doesn't say that. He says, I am an apostle. I've been sent. Jesus will not fail. His church won't perish. But please pray. That's an excellent way to close the letter, ladies and gentlemen. He's an apostle, but he knows that every drop of gospel furtherance comes by God's power. And by saying, pray for me, he knows that every drop of it is by God's initiative, God's help, God's intercession. And I'll say, the more you grow up in the ministry of the the word, the more you grow up in the gospel, the more you joy to give credit to God in the gospel equation which is what Paul has done this entire letter and does now here at the end, even when he says, pray for me. Now, some closing remarks on this letter. He says in verse 21, hey, so that you know, may know how I'm doing and, and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister, will tell you everything. Now, this Tychicus guy, he um, is a, a minister with Paul, and Tychicus, his name shows up at the end of uh, Philemon and uh, Colossians, and I think that's it. But... Um, he, he, he carries these letters. And so Tychicus, uh, he's uh, a minister in the Lord. He'll tell you everything. Verse 22, he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And so the whole thing closes with this. And this is just such a profound and wonderful thing. He says, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, that of all the things he could close this letter with, what does he decide to do? What's, what's his topic? The topic is the church. The topic is the unity of God's redeemed people. Peace to the brothers. You know, the beginning of the letter, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, thus peace. He's saying, hey, peace to the brothers. The whole letter's been about grace, what God has accomplished for you. So, peace to the brothers. And you've got this collective. It's not, oh, by the way, go have a a hermit's life and, uh, you know, go to a monastery and be by yourself and uh, enjoy all this. No, that's not how the letter ends. He says, peace to the brothers. Um, He goes on to say, too, in verse 24, uh, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? It's the church. It's God's elect. It's God's redeemed people gathered. It's life together, ladies and gentlemen. You want to know what Dr. Young was talking about last week and what's going to happen in August? That's the theme. Life together. That's the theme. Life together. The theme is the church is the hub of our lives because it's life together. That's Paul's point. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this. With love incorruptible. Is that not amazing that the whole letter ends that way? By the way, it's love incorruptible. Here's a verse from a hymn for you. I think it's the one that Dr. Young cited. The church will never perish. Her dear Lord to defend, to guide, sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. I don't know if you pay attention to news in the church world or not, but there's some really 
ugly, crummy stuff going on right now with some prominent church leaders, and there's some public pulling out of a, an organization of ministers. I mean, this is national. And uh, these ministers are saying this, and this minister saying this, and it's back and forth. And you're like, wait a minute. You guys are our leaders and heroes and, like, super shepherds, and it's just ugly and gross, and, and you know, churches blow up, and ministers do dumb things, and it's just over and over and over again. It's like, do, do we keep sabotaging ourselves with our idiocy and sin? Yes, but his love, his will, his church, his gospel, his evangelism, those things are incorruptible. His love is incorruptible. His church won't perish. All right, I close with this personal illustration. That's a church illustration. That's a church application. Let me give you a personal one. You know, I joke about hymns written in uh, 1912. Um, it was an ugly period for Christian music, 1900 to 1932 or so. It was just a bad 30 years, man. And uh, a lot of times people go, well, I miss that old hymn. Why don't we do that old hymn? And here's one of them for you. I come, George Beverly Shea. I come to the garden alone. Nothing wrong with that. Is anything wrong with that? No. While the dew is still on the roses. Kind of corny. Still, fine. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. Great. You go on, you go, he speaks, the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. I don't know why they would do that. They're happy and God made them. But anyway, the birds hush their singing. They're like, stop singing. Jesus is here. Um, and it goes on, I'd stay in the garden, <laughs> though the night around me be falling. But he bids me go. I don't know why. Time to go, Jesus. Uh, thanks for being here, but uh, our time is up. I'm sorry. Uh, your, your, your counseling session is over. I don't know why Jesus says leave, but he d apparently, and he does. And he speaks through the voice of woe. I don't know what that means. Uh, it it kind of gets cuckoo. Nothing wrong with it, though. I mean, it's corny. It's a little nutty. But when we don't do it here, and that's why it's also not officially called a hymn, because it's, there are sentimental elements it's not really in the category of a hymn, even though you look at it and you go, that is written like a hymn, so that's a hymn. It's not a hymn, technically. All right? Here's the problem, though. And he walks with me and he talks with me. Great. And he tells me I am his own. Praise God. He affirms that in my heart. Yay. And the joy we share, me and Jesus, as we tarry there, me and Jesus, none other has ever known. <sighs> That's dripping with sentimentality. No one else has experienced the deep love I feel, Jesus. Worse yet, you haven't either. We tarry there, the joy we share. No one else has ever experienced. So you're so happy to be with me, Jesus like nobody else. That's crappy. That said, the sentiment is glorious, isn't it? Longing to be with Jesus, longing for intimacy, 
longing for fellowship, longing to hear his voice, longing to know his presence. That's why this song resonates. People ignore the bad theology. And by the way, I could probably ignore the bad theology. I had to, it was, I was forced to sing it at gunpoint. I don't think I would be blaspheming. Maybe a teeny bit. Is that possible? Anyway, my point is, the sentiment is beautiful. And what we ought to take away from that hymn is just that. I mean, don't you want that intimacy? Don't you want that? Well, the Bible is saying that that's an outpouring of the gospel. If God has done this, and, and, and Paul has spelled it out the whole letter, if God has made all these provisions Um, the whole of the gospel being the whole armor of God. Doesn't it make sense that this God who loved you enough to break into your existence and save you wants to personally be with you and is present with you? Don't you want to be with him? That's why prayer is the atmosphere of the gospel and a great way to leave this letter. Let's pray. Father, we're guilty. I certainly am guilty of a lack of humility. And um, we want to be with you. We want to yield to you. We want to minister to the flock. We want to see the lost one to the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you'll apply these truths to our hearts, what we've studied over this past year or two. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would make it um, fresh to our souls and that it would not be a theology that is void, but one that fleshes itself out in our lives and uh, looks like a people who commune with the living God. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.